won't stop. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. In 2017, my sister-in-law, Egypt Covington, was murdered, and the local good old boys pinned it on her ex-boyfriend for three and a half years, claiming to need just one more piece of evidence. After protests, emails, phone calls, and fighting for a year and a half, this small town department finally gave her case to the state police. And within one week, they knew who one of Egypt's alleged killers was. And we now have three cowards sitting in Wayne County Jail awaiting trials. None of them are her ex-boyfriend. We can't stop and we won't stop helping more families seek the justice they deserve. And we won't stop being warriors, exposing the corruption happening throughout this nation. Let's do this! So today's episode is a little different. When I get anonymous mail, I am very careful and do my best to keep the person's identity hidden. Of course, there are stories I get that a select few will know who I'm talking about, but I always reach out to the person and confirm what I say is okay. Sometimes the person responds, sometimes they don't, but I always try. So with that in mind, on July 29, 2022, I was mailed a letter from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. This was different than any letter that I have ever received. I shared it with a few police officers because the person writing the letter claimed to be a cop or a former cop. I have chosen to share most of the letter with you because I believe I have, with the help of others, figured out who the scripter is, and he has requested that I tell all of the story, not just part of it. So here you go. Quote, Lindsay, let me introduce myself. I will go by the nickname Rock for right now. In one of your Inlow podcasts, you state that Inlow allegedly beat a confession out of someone. Inlow couldn't beat his way out of a paper bag. I don't know much about his arrest before being a trooper, but Inlow is a weirdo and should never have been on the job. End quote. Rock. I never once stated that Inlow beat a confession out of someone. However... I am aware of a case involving a former Pennsylvania state trooper named Terry Jordan beating someone. Quote, Sandusky and the Second Mile. Sandusky was the founder of the Second Mile and used it as his breeding grounds. Every year, Sandusky had a Second Mile dinner in Clearfield at the Knights of Columbus, which is now the Copper Cork. Sandusky also would attend the Clearfield Bison football golf outing. That is the only connection that Tim Janoko had to Sandusky, end quote. Rock. That actually is not the only connection Tim Janoko had to Sandusky. According to Jerry Sandusky on page 102 of his book titled Touched, he and Tim Janoko were close enough friends that Tim Janoko went to the detention center to visit a boy Jerry wanted to potentially adopt while Jerry was in L.A. for the Rose Bowl. Sounds to me like they were more than just twice-a-year buddies. Quote, You bring up Steve Peterson. To my knowledge, Peterson was never a trooper in this area. He spent most, if not all, of his career in Troop J, and maybe some time in Troop K, end quote. 
Well, Rock, I asked a few troopers about this, and every single one laughed and said, no way this person is a cop or was a cop. Everyone knows Steve Peterson and knows that he worked in Troop J&K, but then came back to Clearfield area before retiring. Quote, what is your knowledge of the rules of criminal procedure in Pennsylvania and the court process? What is your knowledge of sentencing for first-time offenders and jail times associated with offenses? End quote. Well, Rock, my knowledge is this. It appears that there are no rules of criminal procedure in Pennsylvania. From my experience in Pennsylvania, it's who you blow and who you deal drugs to. And my knowledge of sentencing and jail times? Again, it varies on which judge or magistrate you are in front of, as well as the offense. For example, if you're in front of Magistrate Alan Sinclair, and you drink with him at the Amvets or the Elks, you'll probably get your case dismissed. If you're in front of Judge Ammerman, and it's a criminal drug case, you'll probably walk free as long as you pay him back with goods in return. How's that for knowledge? Then Rock has the nerve to bring up Terry Clark Sr. Quote, Terry Clark, that secret has died with the death of Gabe Hoover. I believe he died on the floor of Doobie Thompson's trailer as Doobie was crying, say it isn't so. Some of the BS you are getting from your sources is not even close. Take and remove some of the emotion from your investigations and use common sense as well as scientific info, which you have none. End quote. Rock. According to Gabe Hoover's immediate family members, he did not pass away at Doobie Thompson's trailer. Sounds like you're the one spewing BS. Maybe Terry Jordan should have removed some of his emotion and used common sense when he beat his wife and allegedly held a gun to her head, which led to ending his career as a state trooper. Quote, you can go on and on about troopers running towns because they coach youth sports. Have you ever coached a youth sport? Do you know how much you have to love a sport to coach? Do you know the BS you have to put up with because every kid's parents think their kid is going to be the next Bo Jackson or Brittany Griner and take care of them financially the rest of their life? In reality, their kids can't even run five yards or listen to the simplest of direction. Do you know how hard it is to deal with the fine citizens you watch over and protect, then coach their talented kids? Yeah, we do it to run the town, end quote. In fact, Rock, I have coached youth sports for many years. I do know how much I love the sport I coach. I do know that interacting with parents can be extremely challenging. I actually had a full-ride scholarship to play volleyball in college and then went on to coach many levels of athletes, ranging from late elementary to high school junior varsity. Oh, and thanks for admitting that you do it to run the town. That's what I thought. And... Terry Jordan was a youth football coach. Hmm. Rock then went on and asked me a bunch of questions referring to what cops have to go through and how tough it is to be a cop. And then he said this, quote, Just because someone says a person is guilty doesn't make it so. 
you don't even have circumstantial evidence against Conway, end quote. Hey, Rock, you have no clue what we have and don't have. Why don't you ask your buddy Scott Sankey what he gave us? Now for the part that started unraveling his identity just a little more. Quote, Let's break down the Miscavish and Jordan cases, which you gave half-ass information on and not the whole story because you don't have the complete story like many of your stories, and you only present the sensational parts, the shock and awe, end quote. Rock went on to give me 11 sentences talking about the horrific death of Tracy Raymond Miscavish, most of which he has wrong, but for the Victim's family's sake, I am not going to go into that right now. I have spoken to many family members regarding this tragedy. My sincere condolences to Tracy's family. I am sorry that the system failed her terribly. Quote, now on to Jordan and his wife. On the night of the incident, along with officers from Clearfield Borough and Lawrence Township, Two troopers from PSP Clearfield responded to the Jordan's residence. After Jordan was taken into custody, the victim again told the one trooper that Jordan had been battling with alcohol due to a couple of suicides that had happened in the late summer of 2015 prior to Jordan transferring to Harrisburg. End quote. Okay, since Rock wants the whole story told, let me fill you in. Thank you to multiple news sources and some witnesses. Terry Jordan has a long history with the Clearfield Barracks, but was assigned to the executive and administrative offices in Harrisburg at the time of his arrest, where he was a member of of Governor Tom Wolfe's Executive Service Station Detail, which provides security for the governor and his family. Terry Jordan attended Clearfield Area High School, and he graduated from Slippery Rock University in 1991. He is also a former Pee Wee football coach. Hmm. Clues? Trooper Terry Jordan was incarcerated in Clearfield County Jail on April 21, 2016, then transferred to Clinton County and held on a $1 million bail due to the concern of safety for the victim and potential witnesses in the case. He was accused of beating his wife, putting a gun to her head, and threatening to kill her and himself at their residence in Lawrence Township. At the time of Terry Jordan's arrest, he was charged with felony aggravated assault, two misdemeanor counts of simple assault, terroristic threats with intent to terrorize another, recklessly endangering another person, harassment, subject other to physical contact, harassment, course of conduct with no legitimate purpose, communicate lewd, threatening, etc. language, public drunkenness, and similar misconduct. At the time of his trial in October of 2016, his charges were aggravated assault, two counts of simple assault, recklessly endangering another person, and terroristic threats. And according to the police report, Terry Jordan's wife, 
reported Jordan had threatened to kill her and then was going to kill himself. She said her assailant is a state trooper and he had his duty weapon. She locked herself in the closet and called the police. Okay, so here's the story that I was able to gather via local news sources, court transcripts, and some witnesses. The victim stated that she and Jordan were both drinking with dinner at home and later went to a friend's house in Clearfield. They had a few drinks with friends at the party, and this is when things go askew. The host walked other guests out, leaving just Terry Jordan and his wife in the apartment. The victim said that Terry Jordan took his shirt off and had his pants down when the host returned. She claims Terry unbuttoned her shirt and told the host to admire and touch his wife's breasts. The victim stated that the host began touching Terry Jordan in a sexual manner and then stopped once the host noticed the victim was crying and told Terry Jordan he wasn't into it. This is allegedly when Terry Jordan got angry and the victim whispered in the host's ear that she feared for her life before heading back to their marital home. The host testified in court that Terry Jordan encouraged him to touch his wife and that Terry Jordan unzipped his pants. The host stated that it was an awkward situation, saw that the victim was very uncomfortable and upset and put an end to it. The host testified that the victim whispered in his ear, quote, he scares me, I'm afraid of him, end quote. Terry Jordan testified that both the victim and the host lied and said the sexual encounter was consensual. On the car ride home, Terry said his wife brought up his affair and got upset. He testified stating, quote, Maybe I should go see her then, end quote. And that's when his wife punched him in the mouth. According to the victim, when they returned home, she claims Terry Jordan ripped her pants down and tried to have sex with her. She ran to the house with Terry Jordan following. Once inside, she said Jordan punched her in the nose and hit her head so hard that she fell into the fetal position and Terry Jordan kicked her numerous times in the back and right side. She said he choked her, then put a gun to the side of her head and threatened to kill her. She testified that Terry Jordan told her, quote, no one is going to miss you when you're gone, end quote, and said he was going to kill her and then kill himself. Thank goodness he didn't follow through on that threat. And when he left the room, the victim hid in a closet and called 911. Terry Jordan's recollection is pushing her to distance himself, and she stumbled into the wall. He claims to then walk to the bedroom to let the situation cool off, and the victim followed and came swinging because she was drunk and mad. He said that he grabbed the victim by her arms to restrain her, and their legs got tangled, causing them to hit a dresser on their way to the floor. Terry Jordan then claims the victim was underneath him face down and he had his hands on either side of her and she bit him on the wrist. 
he said he couldn't break free from her bite and he had to knee her in the side in order to get her to stop and free his right wrist. He also denies ever holding the victim at gunpoint. Terry Jordan allegedly left the house and drove to see the woman he'd previously had an affair. She testified that Terry came to her house and was very drunk and stated, quote, I just beat her and held a gun to her head, end quote. The woman also said that Terry Jordan had blood on his lip and he told her it was from punching his wife and that he will, quote, probably go to jail and lose my job, end quote. She claims Jordan tried to have sex with her, so she made him leave. Now, Terry Jordan admitted on the stand to going to this woman's house after leaving his home. However, Terry claims that they in fact, did have sex, and that he never made those comments to her. According to Terry Jordan, he handled the incident with his wife as officers would advise any other domestic dispute. What an embarrassment to all law enforcement. You guys, Terry Jordan is nearly a foot taller and a 100 pounds heavier than the victim. He went to the gym every other day. He was a trained state trooper. And he was in the governor's detail. And he claims it to be necessary to punch, kick, and fracture a rib in order to defuse the situation. So EMS was called because the victim complained of pain and she had visible injuries, bloody lip, a large scratch on the left side of her neck, and a very large lump and bruise to the left side of her head above her left eye that went almost to her hairline. The victim's injuries were photographed at the hospital, and she gave a written statement. One of the photos showed a bruise on her temple that the prosecutor said is consistent with a gun barrel. Dr. Jones testified regarding the victim's injuries. He said that she suffered a right rib fracture multiple contusions, had pain in the back of her head, trauma to her abdomen and back, and scratches on her neck. She told the doctor that Terry Jordan punched, choked, and kicked her as he assaulted her with his hands and feet. Terry Jordan testified that her injuries were caused from him trying to defend himself. Pennsylvania State Trooper, now former, Terry Jordan, went back to his home where Lawrence Township Police and Clearfield State Troopers were at the scene. Jordan put his hands in the air and exited the vehicle and stated, quote, I'm fucked, end quote. You guys, he didn't say, whoa, what's going on? Or she assaulted me. No, he simply said he was fucked. He was placed in handcuffs and put in the back of a patrol vehicle. The arresting officer testified in court, that Terry Jordan smelled of whiskey and was intoxicated at the time of his arrest. The warden also testified that Terry Jordan was intoxicated and smelled of alcohol when he was booked. A Glock model 36 45 caliber handgun was recovered from the passenger seat of Jordan's vehicle. And now during deliberation... 
the jury had two questions. The first was to hear the elements for simple assault, and the second was to hear the definition of simple assault bodily injury and recklessly endangering another person. After deliberating for almost five hours, the jury found state trooper, now former, not guilty of the most serious charges. Terry Drew Jordan was found not guilty of aggravated assault, terroristic threats, recklessly endangering another person, and one count of simple assault. Terry Drew Jordan was found guilty of one count simple assault bodily harm. After the verdict, Terry Jordan's bail was set at $5,000 unsecured and he walked free. Terry Jordan's conviction on the simple assault charges for domestic violence meant that he cannot carry a firearm and it ended his career with the state police. I think this is a heinous outcome and embarrassing for our justice system. Let me break down the charges for you and then you can make your own decision on if you believe Terry Jordan's conviction of one count simple assault bodily harm fit the crime. According to Pennsylvania state statutes, Aggravated assault is an attempt to cause serious bodily injury to another or cause such injury intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life. Terry Jordan testified in court that he put his knee in the victim's back hard enough to fracture her rib after he had already punched and kicked her, therefore recklessly causing injury, in my opinion. Simple assault is an attempt to cause or intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly cause bodily injury to another, negligently causing bodily injury to another with a deadly weapon, an attempt by physical menace to put another in fear of imminent serious bodily injury. Recklessly endangering another person. To recklessly engage in conduct which places or may place another person in danger of death or serious bodily injury. Terry Jordan testified in court that he was driving while intoxicated and his wife was in the car too, therefore placing her in danger of death or serious bodily injury, in my opinion. Terroristic threat. To communicate either directly or indirectly a threat to commit any crime of violence with intent to terrorize another. The victim testified in court that Terry Jordan held a gun to her head and said he was going to kill her. The woman Terry Jordan saw that night testified in court that Terry Jordan told her he held a gun to the victim's head. 
Therefore, communicating a threat to commit a crime of violence, in my opinion. So I wonder if Rock will be satisfied with my reporting of the incident or if Rock will think I only presented the sensational parts, the shock and awe. Let's get back to Rock. Now that you have heard the testimony and trial outcome, I will share with you the remainder of what Rock had to say about Terry Jordan and his, quote, incident, end quote. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to put two and two together and sleuth your way to figure out who Rock likely is. Oh, and Rock uses the victim's name in the letter, but I am choosing to leave her name out and will just say victim or Terry Jordan's wife. Here you go. He goes on to say, quote, on April 21-22 of 2016, Upon returning home, Jordan and his wife mutually entered into a physical altercation, which ended in the bedroom. Both fell onto the floor, at which time victim received a rib injury. Jordan left the residence and a short time later returned and was taken into custody without incident. Victim was taken to the hospital where x-rays were taken. Initially, nothing was noted on the x-rays and only some soft tissue injuries were observed. Only after having some breathing issues did the doctor request a CT scan, which detected a mild rib displacement fracture. On the morning of April 22nd, Jordan was arraigned on several charges. An unprecedented bail was set at $1 million. Let me write it again. $1 million. No one in all my years of law enforcement has someone received a million-dollar bail for their first offense for charges that amounted to simple assault and harassment. Jordan was also sent to the Clinton County Correctional Facility, where he spent the next six months in jail until his trial. Jordan also had a PFA filed against him, which was active from May 20th, 2016, until it expired May 20th of 2018. The morning prior to Jordan being transferred to Clinton County, the district attorney for Clearfield County entered the holding cell and tried to elicit a statement from Jordan without reading Jordan his Miranda rights. Interrogation 101. Remember, the district attorney for, for any county is the top law enforcement officer in each county. What must each law enforcement officer do before interviewing a suspect in a crime? You must read them their Miranda rights. During the trial, the district attorney tried to hold Jordan's right to remain silent against him. Every suspect, police, doctor, attorney, the everyday Joe off the street have that right. In all my years in law enforcement, I have never seen a district attorney go into a suspect's cell without another person to witness the interview. What was he afraid that Jordan would say? Was he afraid he would go to the AG's office to make a deal with information for his release? If he knew anything, Jordan wasn't saying anything. Jordan was suspended without pay until his involuntary separation from PSP, December 16, 2016. Jordan was represented by an attorney from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, an out-of-town attorney was retained due to several factors. In all actuality, all the judges and everyone in the district attorney's office should have been recused in the trial. 
Jordan's wife used to work in the district attorney's office and had close ties with Judge Cherry. Jordan's wife's father may allegedly had influence over the DA's office, being he is a local business owner with millions of dollars, end quote. You know, Rock, I agree with you about people recusing themselves in this case. But I wonder why Terry Jordan's attorney didn't fight hard for a transfer. He goes on to say, quote, During the six months leading up to the trial, Terry Jordan's wife also filed for divorce from Jordan. During this process, she was represented by her father's business attorney. This attorney was trying to find a way for Jordan to keep his job, even referring to Jordan as the goose that was laying the golden eggs. He felt Jordan was more valuable to his wife, remaining employed rather than losing his state job. Supposedly, the victim's father said, quote, Fuck him. I will take care of her. We don't need his money. End quote. During the trial... The victim's testimony was inconsistent. Issues with certain evidence not being presented to defense in a timely manner, raising Brady issues. Inconsistency with interviews conducted by Lawrence Township PD. The district attorney was unable to prove any crime other than simple assault. After the jury read the verdict, the district attorney stormed out of the courtroom, leaving through a side door rather than the normal exit to his office to avoid the press until he could compose himself. In a statement, he stated it was still a victory because Jordan would lose his job as well as guns. It's interesting that you feel Miscavish and Jordan got away with anything. Unfortunately, Tracy lost her life, but Miscavish is dead as well. Jordan, on the other hand, lost his job rightfully so. If he would have made his full retirement of 25 years, he would have probably grossed $150,000 his last year. He would have retired at 75% of his best three years. This would have put his retirement at somewhere around $100,000 for doing nothing the rest of his life. Paid health benefits till Medicare age. Not to mention sick and PTO payout, Jordan lost his job and conservatively $3 million worth of retirement benefits, but he got away with it. Jordan actually served six months in jail. This is anywhere from 90 to 150 days longer than the first-time offenders in domestic violence cases. Even if he would have been convicted of aggravated assault, he wouldn't have served 180 days in jail. Jordan was put on state parole, not county. Fines and costs were more in the area of $1,000, not the $200 you reported. He attended anger management for four sessions at a cost of $49 a session and alcohol counseling for a year at a cost of $50 a session. Remember the PFA against Jordan, which lasted two years? In the last month of it, being active... His wife contacted Jordan's mom via phone, leaving text messages saying she missed Jordan and his family. This was reported to PSP Clearfield. Then Corporal, now Sergeant, Gibson 
spoke with the victim to tell her to have no contact with Jordan or family members. His wife was heard throughout the community joking about the incident. If you want to get a better idea of the type of person the victim is, ask her past business partners and sisters-in-law. It was rumored Jordan was allegedly drugged by the victim on the day of the assault. Jordan's arrest was a result of a drunken night that ended his career. The DA at the time of Jordan's arrest spoke with Jordan's two other wives and neither reported abuse, anger issues, or drinking problems. End quote. Rack. You state that his two other wives didn't report abuse, anger issues, or drinking problems. Well, his current wife, at the time, and his mistress both did. I'm wondering if the other women didn't report any wrongdoing out of fear. The warden testified that while being booked, Terry Jordan said he had issues with alcohol. Rock went on then and talked about how unfair a million-dollar bond was and then ended his letter with the following. Quote, Did I happen to mention the former DA of Clearfield County and former DA of Center County used to date when they were the ADAs in Clearfield County? They worked for a judge who was a DA at the time. The two ADAs got into a domestic in Clearfield Borough. This judge, former DA, showed up and wouldn't let the Borough Police Department make an arrest. Speak to PSP Punksy Vice and ask if it was hard to get drug charges through when former DA was in office. The Rock has told you enough. Maybe there will be more. Maybe this will be the only letter. We will see where your podcasts go. Start reporting the whole story, not just the exciting, misleading bullshit. End quote. And there you have it. The Rock has spoken. I find it interesting that Rock focused so heavily on Terry Jordan's case. I find it interesting that Terry Jordan went to Slippery Rock University. I find it interesting that Rock knew such intimate and fine details about Terry Jordan's case. I find it interesting that Rock talked about youth coaches and that Terry Jordan was a youth football coach. I find it interesting that Rock states he or she was a former state trooper and Terry Jordan is a former state trooper. I find it interesting that Rock's handwriting is eerily similar to Terry Jordan's handwriting. So in preparation for this episode, I reached out to Terry Jordan, letting him know I received a letter detailing a situation with one of his exes, and I had some questions for him. One, what was your blood alcohol level at the time of your arrest? Two, why weren't you charged with the DUI that night? Three, 
Was the night of your arrest typical of how you acted on drunken nights, or was this your first time attacking your wife? Four, do you believe you used more force than necessary on your wife the night of your arrest? Five, are you embarrassed that through all of your training as a police officer, it took punching, breaking ribs, and assaulting a woman nearly 100 pounds less than you in order to get her away from you? (laughs) His response was this. Quote, nothing I say changes that night. Don't know who wrote you. Sorry you don't think I was punished harsh enough. I was embarrassed both professionally, publicly, and family. That's all I have to say on the matter. End quote. Terry Jordan is absolutely correct in that I don't think he was punished harsh enough. Terry Jordan is a prime example of why so many assault victims do not come forward with their truths. Why did the jury choose to believe Terry Jordan rather than all of the other witnesses? Why did the jury choose to believe Terry Jordan when he said the host, the woman he went to see that night, and the victim were all lying and he was the only one telling the truth? Is it because of fear of retaliation? Is it because Terry Jordan made a point to let the jury know he was a Pennsylvania state trooper? I don't know why, but I do know that I believe 100% that the jury's decision helps the community lose all faith in our system. If Rock decides to write me another letter, it will have to be via email or private message as I no longer have a P.O. box. I can't stop and I won't stop being a warrior for justice. Too many people are afraid to speak up and tell their truth. I'm here to give you the confidence to use your voice and share your story. Our voices matter. Your voice matters. Use your First Amendment right and speak up. That's how we create change. Go against the grain. Be brave. Take a risk. Stand tall, shoulders back, and head high. Be a warrior and fight for justice. Thank you to the brave men and women who have shared their experiences with me. We need to keep talking and exposing the alleged corruption happening in Clearfield and Center County, Pennsylvania. Please reach out to me if you'd like to share your unjust story. If you are ready to talk and want to help make a change, you can email me at lindsayann3, that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-A-N-N, the number three, at yahoo.com. You can message me on TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram as well. I appreciate you. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please give me a five-star review. This will help bring awareness to the many families fighting and seeking the justice they deserve. And if you don't like that I'm helping families, then just stay away because mean people suck. For almost daily updates, please follow me on TikTok at MyLindsayAnn. I'm also on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn and on Facebook at Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Thank you to Mr. Peace for allowing me the rights to the song, Where'd You Go, featuring Our Beloved. 
I don't have all the answers. Only he does. And sometimes the best thing to do is, is just trust it. It was back in 04 when Grandpa died and my shirt was soaking wet with tears from my eyes. You tried to calm me down, tried to plead your case, but I just bit that face right back in your face. And you said, well, you may not understand now, somehow, someday, some way, you'll find out why it had to be. Yeah, according to his plan, he won't put you through anything that he thinks you can't make it through. With his everlasting love, you may need to scream at the top of your lungs, because while you think he died at too young an age, it really was his time, there's no reason for rage He's in a better place now, away from the pain And the stress and the hate and the hurt and the strain The best way to honor him and his legacy Is to live how he did and not question me